Welcome back to ATBS, the podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Volmerich. Thank you for being here. My guest on this episode is a certified Anasara yoga teacher, an Anasara School of Hatha Yoga certified advanced teacher trainer, a life coach, a massage therapist, a lover of life, nature, and so much more. Tiffany Wood joins me for a What is Yoga conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Matt Seiler here, lover of a good competition. One of the other guests on Jeff's phenomenal podcast threw a gauntlet trying to make his episode the most popular on the phenomenal ATBS, the podcast series. Being the frequent guest on the only sub-series, SFAO, I want to make sure that I win. And by winning, Jeff wins. And by Jeff winning, we all win. So please like, share, own, make sure that it gets the popularity it demands as ATBS rules the world. Tiffany, welcome to the Podship and ATBS the podcast. Thank you. Such a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Super glad to have you. We've knocked around a couple of ideas and as usually happens, I usually have some precast conversations with people and for the listeners, this one's been brewing for a little while where you're trying to figure out what to present and how. And so what we've come up with here is kind of, you know, what is yoga? Because there's so much to it. Tiffany, you've been practicing for 23 plus years and it's a lifestyle for you. So let's talk about yoga and what it is. I love that question. What is yoga? It's too big of a concept to cover in just a short conversation. And it's summed up in one simple word, connection. If you take that word and dive into it, connection to what? People connect to yoga in so many different ways. They connect to themselves through the practices. So there's yoga practices that get us to what some people would call, call yoga, to that state of connection or union or wholeness. A lot of ways to get there. A lot of facets to it, right? Yeah. It's a 5,000-year-old tradition with so many. If yoga is a tree, there's so many branches on that tree. Right. I think people, it's easy in the Western part of the world to think of yoga as the the physical practice because that's what we see and that's what we're familiar with and or at least it's what's in our awareness and easiest to see. Yeah. But we're only really seeing the end of one branch or we're seeing some little tip of the iceberg. Yeah, that, that one branch has so many different offshoots, you know? Right. Fascinating. So it really is an onion to be peeled and figuring out where to start, I think, is really interesting. Because you've been practicing for as long as you have, I'm going to toss that ball into your court. (laughs) Where do you want to start with what is yoga? Is yoga. Well, one of my favorite comments I get from people is, I've never tried yoga. I'd like to try it. You know, right there, there's one word, it, that 
their picture of it and my picture of it couldn't probably be more vastly different. And so I like to suss out, you know, well, what is it that you think you'd like to try? And then it usually does bring us back to that physical practice conversation and how they're either really busy or they can't touch their toes. And so why would they go? Or they're intimidated. They're intimidated a bit. I know I was before I walked into a studio, intimidated by the unknown. Oh, yeah. Okay. Keep going with that. What you think you know. And I was in my early 40s, I think. And I knew for a long time that, or I thought I knew for a long time that finding my way into a yoga practice of some sort would be good for me because I'd heard that, right? Staying pliable and limber and keeping some elasticity as one ages. And it was about the same time, or it was a few years later that I realized that having an athletic background and that I could no longer really play my way into shape. So snow skiing, you know, for decades, just put the skis on when the snow flies and and get out there and start charging, right? And get the fitness through the exercise. And I realized somewhere in my 40s that, oh, no, you're going to have to do the exercise to be able to go out and play the games and do the work to be able to play the games at a level that I wanted to. And I also realized that having been an athlete, having been a ski jumper was always, you need to stretch, you need to stretch, you need to stretch, you need to stretch. And, you know, yoga is so much more than stretching, but it stretches us yeah, in so many ways. In so many ways, right. The particular lineage within the yoga tradition that I study, practice and teach, it's a tool for expansion, tantra. And that particular branch on the tree of yoga is a yoga in of itself. You know, there's a philosophy behind the practice that is the practice It opens us to a deep conversation of really, truly what is yoga, because it can include the physical, which is such a beautiful doorway to enter connection to yourself, your breath, your body. That's what yoga is. You know, if we keep extrapolating connection, connection to what? And through the physical practices, we have breath work. That can be a practice in and of itself, or it can be combined with the physical movements. And so you connect breath and body, and that brings in the mind. And we start to connect mind, body, breath. And from there, you might connect thoughts to your actions. And from that deep place of integration, we start to remember a sense of wholeness. Maybe in one practice, people come to, you know, what is yoga here in the U.S. and all across most of the world at this point. It is mostly um, an asana practice, which is the physical practice. And I love that doorway in. I'm like you. I found yoga because I was a broken, beat up, dancer. And, you know, my body hurt and I was having all sorts of issues with migraine headaches and all sorts of stuff. There are so many different reasons for finding, for seeking. Oh my God. Absolutely. Ask every single person that's ever stepped on a yoga mat or on sat on a meditation cushion. Why did they enter the practice? You'll get 
that many different reasons, and yet we can then boil it down to one essential reason. It's freedom. Interesting. Connection and freedom. Freedom through connection, connection through freedom. Absolutely. What does freedom mean? Now, each one of those people might answer that question differently as well. So it's like there's no right or wrong about it. So here we are with the, what is yoga? Holy shit. How are we going to peel that onion? (laughs) You know, the first, whatever, 10 minutes of conversation or so, you, you get a real good sense that there's so much to it. As with many things, as with maybe most things, you know, one can spend a lifetime figuring and exploring and learning and being a beginner. And, you know, when you think you've got something figured out, you can do more, you can seek further. Yeah, it is that practice of expansion. Ultimately, if we're going to connect breath and body, mind and body, Thoughts and actions, yeah, individual to universal, like my conscious being and universal consciousness, like that's big connection. So if we keep letting the, like, what are we connecting to through the practice, keep expanding that, then you start to realize yoga is life. It happens no matter where you are. So it's not really a matter of, is someone practicing yoga? They may not define the game of life, the practice of life. Like, oh yeah, I'm doing yoga. It's all yoga from this big definition. You know, I, I met a guy in a TSA line. I just taught a workshop and I was taking off my boots. It was winter. The guy behind me said, you must do yoga. And I turned around this total stranger and I said, well, why would you think that? I just was taking my boots off and put them in the, the tray. And he said, just exactly that the way you took your boots off. So back to what you were saying, you know, to be in your body, but prepared for the game of life, like that's yoga. But you can stand on one foot, unzip your boot and hold your balance. You know, that's where the practice of physical yoga comes in handy in the yoga of life. And then he goes further to say, well, gosh, you know, I couldn't do yoga. I've tried and I just, you know, I can't do it. And I said, well, there's something you do that connects you to the heart of who you are. What is that? And he said, why fly fish? And I was like, oh my God, like, that's it. Like men meditating, standing in the middle of the flow of life in a river, willingly stepping into the current and dropping into a repetitive motion and opening up to the beauty around them. Yeah, it is one of the things that is closest in my world. I thought about that a lot when I was first beginning with yoga and I was fly fishing a lot. And a good friend of mine who's been on the show multiple times, Dr. Richard Hamilton and I fished together. He and I talk about it and, you know, especially... You know, it is so repetitive and you get into the muse state. There isn't any other place to be except where you are. So many of these conversations. The now. The now, right here, right now. Yeah. That's such a gift. I mean, I had a conversation. This is the second episode I've recorded today. And and these two episodes are going to be back to back within a week of each other, which is very rare. So, you know, we were talking about exactly that. Like, how do you 
right now. There is no future. There is no past. And it's such a, we can work at it in so many different ways through meditation and through yoga and through a, you know, a psychedelic 5-MeO DMT type experience. There are so many doorways in. To union with the divine and whatever you call the divine because like, or the one, call it love, call it the big flow, call it nature, call it universal source. Like people have to name it for themselves. And that's what I hope to encourage as a teacher of yoga. And I teach students of all levels, all abilities, all interests and all needs. And one of my favorite ways to teach yoga is to step into a really deep conversation about how do you define the one, the bigness, the fullness, you know, that which you're going to connect with. Because that's a deeply personal conversation. And yet our teachers that came before us, like think back, way back in like the Vedic era, like this is thousands and thousands of years ago. The teachings were taught through song, through mantra. You know, the Bhagavad Gita, like it's the most widely translated poem, text. It's equal to the Bible or the Quran for the Indian people. And it was taught in, in song. That's what the name means. And so... You know, the yoga has shifted and morphed over thousands of years. The people who passed it along from teacher to student and teacher to student until where we sit in this moment. And then it's our gift to enter the doorway wherever we can. And for some people, that's through the physical practice. For some people, it's through meditation, whether that's in a river <laughs> or on a cushion or on a train. It's prayer. You know, when people pray and open to the one where they ask for guidance or support or love or whatever, that's yoga. When we practice, whatever version of yoga we practice, we feel a connection with whatever it is, as you've just said, right? Lots of different labels and different labels for different people. Then I'm hopeful that we are then able to have more openness in our lives and be open to more perspectives and everybody has a unique perspective and being open to other not an opposing viewpoint but a one that is different and therefore worthy of exploration i'd like to know more mm, yeah unity within diversity it's a ubiquitous phrase within this style of hatha yoga that i teach which is Anasara yoga, unity within diversity, like to really understand that we all came from that one sacred source, the source that you name, and therefore it is this diverse, like, wow, the one became the many <laughs> so that it could experience itself through all these different views and lenses. And yeah, if we can really take ourselves back to connection, first through ourself, we have to learn to be accountable for our own inner state. And that's where the physical practices of yoga help people in this modern world deal with the stress. 
gives them a channel and something to drop into. So no matter what style of Hatha yoga practices, which is physical practice, the movements, the downward dogs and the postures. And then breath work. A lot of the practices, it's become more and more mainstream that they'll add in mudra, like the prayer pose mudra is the one like everybody uses. And actually not. You go to a gym and they're like, no, we don't do that. <laughs> you know? Let's get our game. Let's get our yoga on. And that's great. Do them. Because what happens over time is people start to appreciate their bodies and they find more space within. They get stronger inside themselves and they connect to their own physical being, get them out of their head so much. Well, in the act of moving from an athletic perspective, from a well-being perspective, we know that if we move, when we move our bodies and then we're moving what's in our bodies energetically and, you know, through the circulatory system and the respiratory system, if we're, when we're moving, we're, we're opening up and then our minds are so much clearer, you know, it happens time and time and time again, like, oh, I feel so much better for getting some exercise and I can think more clearly and not be all balled up yeah. in my mind. Yeah. So not surprisingly, the physical asana yoga practice, right, is a gateway. I think just the other day I heard you explain it that, you know, originally it was for the young people in preparation for when you weren't quite so agile and quite so nimble and you could go into your mind. Yeah, former days of yoga, the physical practices were definitely mostly for the younger people to build strength and to rein in all of that wild energy, you know, young humans have and direct it, channel it, discipline. And then when, you know, the practices certainly do turn more contemplative as one ages, you know, not only do our bodies, um, you know, settle and we don't, we do need to stay active hundred percent. Like, oh my gosh. And that's, I'm so grateful for the physical practices at this age. I feel great. And I can do anything I want, whatever I want, usually. Through the discipline of the practices, one starts to find that it's easier to meditate. It's easier to sit. The modern day culture really needs the physical practices as a gateway to meditation. Because a lot of people, we don't grow up sitting on the floor. Our bodies don't work that way. And the mind hasn't been trained to be okay in its own stillness, really. Well, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Can we talk about the eight limbs of yoga or the, the, the circle? Can we talk about the pieces of the puzzle? The eight limbs, sure. That is uh, the Ashtanga yoga. means Ashta means eight, Anga limbed. It's the path of yoga, the eight-limbed path of yoga that I would say anyone who is a deeper student of yoga is aware that there's an eight-limbed path. Most people who enter yoga without knowing, like, oh, wow, there's this is a vast lineage. It's thousands of years old. There's six main schools of yoga, and three of them are still really informative and have shaped the the history and the understandings and the teachings. If you enter the doorway into yoga, now I would actually not call it a doorway. It's now a wheel. If you're talking about the eight-limbed path, most people do enter through the physical practice. The eight limbs consists of that, 
as one of the spokes on the wheel. And if you put in the center as the hub of the wheel, it would be samadhi. And you can describe that as absorption, deep connection, enlightenment, union, that state of being where you open to the infinite. And there's two limbs that are really like the yogi's Ten Commandments, yama and niyama. One of the yamas is a practice called ahimsa, which means non-harming. One of the niyamas is a practice of opening up to the deep connection of all that is through surrender. So within the first two spokes, there are five further spokes of each. Yeah. Yeah. It just goes deeper and deeper. So Yama has five, Niyama has five, and then you get to Asana. And if we're just going to climb the ladder in a vertical model, then, you know, we would go Yama, Niyama, Asana, physical practice, Pranayama, breath work, Pratyahara, withdrawal of the senses, contemplation, meditation, enlightenment. And I like to look at all of those limbs of the eight limbs that take and put yoga in a succinct little package and put that into a wheel because you've had a moment, you've had many, all of us, every person listening to this podcast right now has had a moment of enlightenment. I don't know what that moment was. And you've probably had many when you opened up and said, wow, oh, wow. Thank you. Or, you know, tears of gratitude or just deep anguish is also a form of, you know, really opening to the vastness, how big life is. So enlightenment happens. It happens through the birth of children, through powerful conversations, through smelling flowers and meditating or doing a full wheel and having it feel like the best one you've ever experienced in your whole life. And you come out and you're just like, so open. So nice to not think of it as a ladder, because I think that's in some ways that happens. People get stuck with the, oh my gosh, I can't take all these steps to get there. (laughs) I can't, I can't step on every rung of the ladder to get there. And there is no there, really. It's it's here. As we said earlier, it's here now. I love the wheel because the wheel turns. What are the three stages? Dissolution and what are those three pieces when the wheel turns? Like it, it's always... Oh, it, <laughs> cycles of creation. Yeah. Can we go to the cycles of creation? <laughs> That's where I wanted to go. These are things that I've heard. My retention and recall is, you know. Jeff, you're just so adorable. You know, you actually have a vast knowledge of yoga. You've heard more about yoga philosophy than most people. It's my little brew of information. cool. Yeah, it's great. So the cycles of creation. This is, again, you know, this will be based on a particular view that supports the practices of yoga. And actually, I'll go this way with it. Let's take the sound of Om. It's something that most people are aware of in this time. They might make fun of it. I had a 
I just love this guy so much. Bill, I, I taught him privates for years, you know, in his car garage. He had a, a beautiful old cars down in, in this barn that he'd built just for the cars from like the 1950s and up. Like amazingly beautiful cars. And his workout room was above. And he needed to do yoga because he wanted to maintain his balance. And, you know, now he's 81 years old. This started probably at age 75. And every now and then, if I got too spiritual for him, like tried to connect this to that and make the practice have a purpose other than physical, let's just exercise. I want my balance. He'd put his fingers together, his index finger and his thumb, and he'd roll his eyes up into his forehead and he'd go, oh, like that. And that's what, that was my cue to like back off. That's funny. I like that. Most everybody's heard OM. And as a teacher, I love the OMs, you know, like getting the room into harmony that way, getting yourself into harmony. It can be mind bending. Yeah. Really, it can be mind connecting. And it's a big stretch for a lot of people. Their first, like, when you, that's one of the reasons they're intimidated to walk into a yoga studio, I think. Yeah. How's it going to start? But what if we break down OM into the cycles of creation and give it some meaning and take away the mystery and give it some depth and connect? Now we're practicing yoga again, right? We're going to connect to the deeper teaching. And that starts to bring the yoga to life, whether it's through an asana practice or you're growing a plant because that's yoga. So it starts in the silence, in the deep, dark, fertile soil down in the earth, down in the darkness, down within your, like the quietness within yourself or the darkness from where all things come. The Turiya state, it's called. Yeah, if you look at the way an ohm is written, it looks like a number 30. And it's got a little squiggle over the O. And that squiggle is the Turiya state. That's where it starts. Yeah. That's where the OM starts. It starts from nowhere, from nothing, from vast potential. I love that. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's where we all started from, vast potential, infinite potential. From there, there is a spark of desire. You know, you plant a seed in the earth, it will like germinate and its encoded purpose, its dharma, can't help it. Everything is encoded with the spark of desire here from the one where all things come and down to, you know, like a, an eggplant seed. <laughs> <laughs> Why an eggplant seed? Because they're just, they're, you know, I happened to find one in my yard this summer mysteriously. An eggplant seed or an eggplant? <laughs> an eggplant. Oh. <laughs> so it starts from the stillness. It starts down in the dark, fertile soil that is a metaphor. Either it is the earth or it's within you or it's out in the vastness. There's a spark of desire that germinates, takes root, and like, ah, that's the, you know, the next phase of Om. It's the first phase, second phase, ah, and it's creation. All things want to expand into their infinite potential the next phase is O, and that's sustainment. 
you know, once something starts to take seed, becomes root and starts to grow stock and then everything from there sustains itself to grow and grow and reach out and keep seeing like how far can it go? All things can only sustain so long before mm, the last phase of the ohm, the last cycle of creation. Mm. And that's the dissolution, the letting go back to the darkness, the stillness, the Tyria state. And it's interesting, a physical yoga practice will take on that very experience. Everything you do takes on that very experience from day to night, week to month to year. And then go to a yoga class and you're going to start, hopefully, in my humble opinion, hopefully in the centering process where you get quiet, you get still from that place of stillness, infinite potential exists. Like what one of the coolest things about going to a yoga class is that you have a teacher and when you walk in and sit down on a yoga mat, do you know what's going to be offered in that moment? No. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. It took me a long time to walk into a studio, walked into the shop, loved it. And then as I got more comfortable, I'm more than happy to go to different studios when I travel around and, and you walk in and you have no idea what's coming. Yeah, you do. You don't know how it's going to come. Right. Right. How it's going to be presented or where it's going to start exactly or how somebody might get the ball rolling or get the party started. But it's always fascinating. Like if I walked into the shop where I have regular teachers that I come see you being one of them. And if you were out traveling and somebody else was there, you know, initially you're like, oh shit, this isn't going to be what I thought it was going to be. And I don't know that I ever left. Some people do. And I know we've talked about that, but, um, I would kind of work my way through the class. And then at some point I realized like that's part of the gift is this is going to be great. I, who knows? It might be somebody who's just beginning to teach. That's cool too, right? Like it feels awesome. Oh my God. And what a gift you give that teacher by being open to what they're going to bring to this practice, as I said, that's been handed down from teacher to student to teacher to student. And now in this day, like there are so many people taking yoga teacher trainings and most of them wind up never teaching. It's a tool for expansion, you know, like they get to integrate the practice, they get to show up and learn amazing things, hopefully, like what does the OM mean? And then share that with somebody else and deepen their understanding of what this is. And so the connection, the love, the practice keeps it flowing, but it won't happen if there aren't people, students who will hold space and show up no matter what, because that's really what it is. Like it's an excuse, I think to not show up for yourself or to not look at your stuff. If, if a certain teacher rubs you wrong, stew in it. Right. Work that out. It <laughs> doesn't mean you have to go back every week, but give it a whirl. I was thinking when you were saying that, that all too often you want a certain thing, right? There's a yoga class, there's a certain time frame, certain time of the week, time of the day, and then you want what you want. And you think you, you show up and that's what you're going to get. And when you can release that, 
Like, this is what I need. And I, I know I talked to a bunch of people like I like to go to hot yoga because this is what I get. And if you walked into a, you know, if you walked into a hot yoga class and they didn't turn the heat on and it was a totally different gig. Wow. What a gift that would be. Not everybody would dig it. That's for sure. People would be like, I'm out of here. It's not 102. Well, yeah, we come up against a lot of our barriers, you know, that which keeps us from connecting. I don't know. It's an interesting conversation, isn't it? There's so many different styles of yoga. They have everything to offer from A to Z and in between. I just love that. You can use that analogy. I loved it. If you go into a hot yoga class and they don't turn on the heat and oh my gosh, like imagine how just, yeah, the attachment to the outcome. Right. Like the guys are ready to take their shirts off and then they're going to go, oh shit, I don't, I don't get to take my shirt off today. It's not going to be that hot, but fascinating, right? If we can just walk in and accept what comes and that's a, you know, a good analogy for life. It's not always going to be what we think it's going to be or what we want it to be. And that's, again, the reason why I would say yoga is happening every second of every day. And it's a matter of are you practicing yoga well? Not as a matter of are you practicing yoga because everyone's doing it. It's about integration, connection, wholeness, and whatever will bring you more deeply into that. There's people that I know that are amazing yogis have never set foot on a yoga mat. Right. It can be, you know, about finding the most exquisite posture for you. And then it's the beautiful thing about that is it invites you into, can you really love another person's expression of yoga and not let it mean anything other than, wow, look at their amazingly beautiful yoga of life or practice or pose or whatever they're doing. That's mudita. That's a Buddhist concept. You know, just like that deep, like sympathetic joy. To me, that's, that's where a yogi who's really invested in the practices, no matter what they are, coming into a place of deeper joy more and more and more often. Yeah, so many ways to get there. So we've covered the eight limbs, the three the cycles of creation. The cycles of creation <laughs> and and use the ohm as the what I, I love that. Really fantastic. Let's talk about here we are recording. It's what is it? It's the middle of November 2020. Our human family's been in this COVID program now since March. Long period of time. And very few people, although I know there have been yoga classes happening in places physically, you know, it's not something that I'm all that interested in getting in a room with a bunch of people, but classes are happening online across Zoom. And what a fascinating pivot. What a fascinating different, you know, we feel like, oh, we don't get to be in a room with this, with the people because there is that energy when you do get to practice with people is fantastic. But in a Zoom class where you can actually put it on gallery view and see a bunch of people, it feels pretty darn good too. Yeah, I'll say when I started my first Zoom class, which was about probably around the 1st of May, yeah, I was blown away. First of all, because I had the great fortune of not really being in the life as everyone was experiencing it in, in lockdown. I missed that for a month. I was out in nature. 
for quite some time and came back and found the world in a very different state. And when I found my first Zoom class, I saw all these people looking at me, you know, these faces all over the world. There was about 85 people in that first Zoom class. And just to see people literally from like all over the world. Which you can't do in a in a class. Which you can't do down in the your street. local look, studio down the street, and and to have everyone be in isolation and feeling so alone and separate, which is the greatest source of one of the greatest sources of suffering, if not the greatest, right? That sense of separation that everyone has really just had put up in their face or from COVID. So connection again, like. And people had to go inward, which is kind of an interesting thing. That's, you know, the, our ancient yogis, that's what they did. They literally would go sit in the forest or go to a cave or go to a mountaintop where they could be alone. And they would just like work through their, their stuff and, you know, physical, mental, emotional, and connect through practices. So we go inside our own homes, we're looking at each other on Zoom, we feel isolated, but you can look out and be reminded, I'm not, I'm not alone. Everyone's going through this with me. And in some way, wow, one of the most profound things I think the, the globe got to experience in some way, Zoom, <laughs> those people are so like, wow, you know, talk about gratitude for yogis, people who sit and use the mind in such a way that they make devices, programs, applications that are connecting people all over the world. Yeah. Now we're in our homes doing yoga and that's another beautiful thing. Creating sacred space in your home. The most advanced yoga practice has always been the home practice. It's the hardest one to show up for and not get distracted. And I don't feel like you have to like sweep up the dust bunnies or go make a sandwich or something, you know, but now people are creating sacred space in their homes. They're connecting with their teachers. Their teachers are having to grow and expand and embrace new ways, technology, different ways of teaching, trusting that the energetics of life are really true. I don't need to be in the same room with people to feel them anymore. Right. <laughs> Non-local. Uh-huh. Hmm. It is fascinating and wonderful. In other conversations talking about Zoom, people are having meetings, but they're happening and and they're happening in their homes. So what a meeting that would happen in a boardroom or in a in an office somewhere where now you've just got the person or the people. Now you're you've got the people in their home and in their space. And it opens up for greater connection. Like, oh, what's happening? And people's dogs are showing up and their cats walk across the screen and, it's so because true. it's it's life, right? Oh, yeah, you're we're a starting hu- to see them. Oh, you're it's, a human. Yeah, more human in that way, I think. Yeah, which is really cool. Really cool. So, you know, I know from being on Zoom yoga classes and you look around at people and where do you carve out the space? Because it's not a yoga studio. Everybody does it differently and finds a place in the living room or the bedroom or the kitchen or the hallway or some little nook. It's really cool to watch. Well, what I'm fascinated by as well is how parents are having to, it used to be like, oh my God, I get to get away from my family and I have some me time. 
you know, it was really, and it is so important to take care of oneself, to drop into the sacred space, the stillness within, so that you know who you are and you're clear on the inside. Like I said at the beginning, you know, karma yoga is about being accountable to our own inner state. And so I'm loving seeing parents like, okay, you know, I'm going to carve out time. I'm going to do my yoga. And periodically, the whole fam damly is going to like land on my yoga mat in a puppy pile and we're going to have a big laugh. And then, you know, I watched, oh my God, Megan Moon, just like her child just enthralls me. Like at one practice, this little one, clearly potty training, brings out the entire toilet paper stand. <laughs> totally naked from the waist down, dragging the toilet paper stand across mom's mat. And she's like, oh yeah, great. Good job. (laughs) Now this brings me to one of my most passionate conversations of yoga, which is we're householder yogis. Non-dual tantra, which is a conversation we haven't really even reached. It's about like not separating the spiritual life from the home life. This is our life. Let's make it sacred. Yoga in your in your house with your kids. It's so cool. And they get to see it. They get to see mom or dad doing yoga. And they're going, what's that? And now they're curious. And that's interesting to me. So that makes me think, oh, our daughters are 18 and 19 days from being 20. They're not watching me practice yoga. But they do get to listen to the podcast which is in some ways similar, right? Like, you, oh, you get to you get to watch, you get to listen. They, All of you who are listening, thank you for listening to ATBS, the podcast. But you get a glimpse into somebody else's life and vulnerabilities and passions and curiosities. The thing I probably like the most about this is that, oh yeah, no, we can pretty much do what we want, you know, within reason. <laughs> yeah. I'm dropping the F-bomb more than anybody else on the show. But it is cool because we get to explore, share, you know, long form, whatever, however long it takes to to wander around. I mean, think about this conversation about what is yoga is not at all what I would have thought. And it's like walking into a yoga class not knowing who the teacher is. It's not necessarily, I had no idea what it would turn out like, where we would go. And it's fascinating. It makes the world a wonderful place. It makes living interesting. It's connection. When two aspects or two beings or two, you know, when I say aspect, because it could be aspects of yourself or two or two beings, or it could be an animal, you know, when two things come into connection, they find their, their oneness. They find that unity and then to allow space for each aspect or being within that to be uniquely itself. Yeah. That's right there is the yoga relationship with self and other. You asked me a question earlier today, which was prior to me recording a different podcast. And you said, well, where are you going to go with it? Because if you can't point people in the right direction to have the experience, what are you going to tell them? Like, how's that going to work? And we did navigate that, I I think, pretty well. The reason I bring that up is because in many cases, when having a conversation 
about whatever the subject is, there's something to offer. There's something where people can go and have a peek and, and learn. And in this case, TiffanyWoodYoga.com is your home base. It's where you share with the world what you've got to offer. And Tiffany Wood Yoga on Instagram and Facebook. Right. So you've got the website and then you've got the social platforms. And as of last week, last Sunday, you now have four live Zoom classes a week, a Monday, a Thursday, a Saturday morning, and a Sunday evening. I encourage the listeners, anybody who's curious about yoga, or if you're a seasoned practitioner, tiffanywoodyoga.com and any of the Zoom classes during the week are fantastic. Thanks, you, Jeff. The other thing I love, I think probably because of who you are and how you are, but you know, one of the things I love about the shop yoga studio in Park City is that it's, it's donation-based. And your Zoom classes are donation-based. And as I've heard you say, like, it's free to show up and then honor yourself and honor your practice and honor your teacher with a Venmo or PayPal or, or many ways, many ways that we can contribute. But it's donation-based, and I think that's awesome. I love that. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. That's uh, something that I feel very strongly about. Again, it puts the individual in the driver's seat and they get to start to figure out what is this worth to me? And to me, that is so important. It's empowering, right? It's empowering. And some people don't pay anything. And you know what? God bless that. Like, who knows what's going on in their world, especially right now, right? And I do know that even, you know, something, I have people bring me chocolate. Perfect. You know, like it doesn't matter. Reciprocity is really what, what it's about. Which brings me to ATBS, the podcast. Right. Right. Because it's a, it's a gift. It's free. Right. All you have to do is find it on atbsthepodcast.com or Spotify or Patreon or Apple. Yeah. Patreon or Apple podcast. It's, oh, it's wait, a, Patreon would be that you would get to subscribe to ATBS, the podcast. Yeah, right? Patreon is where you go to, to, to contribute. Yeah. And there are lots of ways to contribute. And I've said it many times, although not ever really on an episode quite this way, but you know, you can contribute by sharing it with somebody, just tell somebody about it that, Oh, I heard this, you know, a cool episode about yoga or about, you know, the oceans or about exercise or nutrition or any number of the 30 episodes that are out there now. Well, here's what I love about ATBS. I remember when it was just an idea, it was in that dormant phase. It was a spark and it was an idea, but you, you know, it hadn't really started to come to full creation. And, you know, all things big and small, because you were like, I want to talk about everything. Everything's in play. Let's do it. The diversity within what you're offering is really great. You're touching in so many different beautiful practices of yoga and all these different amazing humans, different ways of showing up and make a difference and really honoring their dharma, like their like their svadharma, their personal like reason for being here. And you found yours. This is it. So I love that. Thank you for saying so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I dig it. It's uh it's a blast. I've Anybody who knows me knows I like a good conversation and to be able to have them and learn. I don't always retain as much as I'd like, but, but no, I, I love to have the conversations and I love to learn. And then here we are and we get to, we get to share. Thank you for coming on to ATBS, the podcast and joining me in the pod ship, Tiffany. I appreciate it. Well, this was so much fun and thanks for what you're doing. And I'm a patron.
You are a patron. I, am. I appreciate it. Yeah. Every patron counts and, and it's, you know, it's a great thing to do. What a cool world we live in today where it can happen that way. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here. Namaste. Thank you for listening to ATBS, the podcast, and this episode with Tiffany Wood. I encourage you to check out tiffanywoodyoga.com and maybe find your way into one of her Zoom classes. Thanks for your continued interest in ATBS, the podcast. I sure appreciate it. Until next time, be smart and be safe. <laughs>